This episode of the Mike on Much podcast is in partnership with Jameson. Good things come in threes. Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusted producer back from the road, Max Kerman. We are also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And joining us in Erica's place, not on the dials, but just here anyway, and I'll tell you why in a second, is my brother and all of our friends, Greg Veerman. Greg, how's it going? Hello, podcast people out there in podcast land. <laughs> Greggy V coming at you. Live. A lot of energy. Just got some chapstick, a little bit of sugar in me. Good to go. <laughs> we got to bring it with the energy. Uh, okay, so the reason that Greg is here uh, is because we're recording this on Thanksgiving Monday mm-hmm. here in Canada in Hamilton, Ontario. We're all here. Yeah. Greg and I, uh, who live in Toronto, are back because our family is from here. We're born and raised in Hamilton. Max, did you come back from the road just for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I didn't want to miss it. We had a couple of days off between our DC show on Saturday, and we play in Brooklyn tomorrow. So we flew home Saturday night. I had Thanksgiving lunch yesterday at my folks' place, and then at Lauren's, and now we're just hanging out today. It's been great. And then you fly away tomorrow. Yep, first right. thing in the morning. Busy boy, Shane. You also did you just come from a Thanksgiving uh, a dinner? I did at my mom's. Yeah. Uh, so w- when was your in-laws? Was that the night before? Night before, yeah. Got you. It's night. We don't ever record in Hamilton anymore. This is pretty rare. We're we're in my my house. We are in Max's house. Here yeah, in you've uh, re- swept the floor or something. It looks way cleaner than it used to back <laughs> when we would record here. Yeah, the house is different. You know, Greg and I used to live in this very house. Ah, the good days. And, the good old um, days. <laughs> and then Lauren uh, and I. Lauren just moved in here, uh, and it's just the two of us. And she said we need to not make this a frat house. We need to make this a real person's house. But so. the floor was an entirely different shade. And you said you just swept it up, and now it looks like brand new. <laughs> no, there's some machine. I, by the way, I had did nothing when it comes to this renovation. Like a Bissell machine or something? Yeah, it's like a really heavy-duty scrubber. Basically, mm. I think it was like a coat of like dark paint or something on the wood floor, and now it's its natural color. It's unbelievable, the difference. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, we painted the walls and stuff. Anyway. And the other room's completely different. Yeah. There's but a wall that's missing. Yeah. There's a whole new kitchen. Oh, yeah. right. kitchen. But don't tell the authorities. We didn't get a permit for Uh-oh. it. That's our main audience is the authorities. They love this <laughs> yeah. podcast. But your backyard is looking like a piece of shit. <laughs> it's just like a junkyard back there. Now. That's where the wall went. Well, they're, they're still not done the renovation, so I'm, I'm hoping our friend Jay, my old roommate from mm-hmm. uh, McMaster Days, who's doing uh, the house, I hope he cleans it up. What's the estimate? In terms of time, like when's it supposed to be done? It was supposed to be done like uh, September 12th. Oh, we're already in the red. <laughs> what, what is it? October 21st? Yeah. Uh, today's October 14th. <laughs> 21st. I don't, I don't know what day. He just yeah. throws a dart at the wall. <laughs> What's today? It's, it's a Friday, right? We're in January? What the fuck? <laughs> But um, but the cliches are true about those. Yeah, but the thing is, I'm like, the, I'm the <laughs> least. Those, as if he's not our friend as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, true. he was our friend. <laughs> and, by, and by the way, Jay would probably uh, tell you a different story. And also, uh, we did things that we weren't planning to, like he put in a skylight and he fixed the floors and shit. So it's like it, there's a good reason why it, it's gone a little bit longer. Max, how many roommates total do you think you've had? Oh, I love to play this game yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot because, whew, I mean, I had six at, in university. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, and then there was a summer where I lived with like seven random people, like the, <laughs> the, first, the first summer out of school. And then I lived with Dan Hamilton. I've lived with you. I haven't lived with either of you two, Mike or Shane. No, no. but not uh, yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me with a good time. I love roommates more than just about anything. Lauren knows that too. She lives pro- 
<laughs> breaks her heart a little bit probably but um <laughs> uh but yeah sean dawson who was maybe going to come for this podcast jug julian matt savelli for a minute i've lived with a lot of people i love it though it's good <laughs> i wanted sean to the main reason why i wanted sean to be here our beloved friend sean dawson is that he's lived with all four of us and i wanted him yeah. to give us a roommate review oh he could have been really that funny. Would be a great idea. well maybe he'll walk in by the end yeah like he was supposed to be here for seven like well yeah but i think he got pushed back to eight where he he and jug are going to come in and, and uh, Sean and Jug took me in when I didn't have any money, and they gave me like a little side room at a at a place around the corner. So they have a lot of sto- stories about. How me. do we review Sean as a roommate now that he's not here? Right now? <laughs> oh, man. like he had a big ass dog. Like he might have even had two when he was with Greg. <laughs> There's only the one right? dog, yeah. Oh, okay. But he is well. He, I don't know, man. I'm pretty. I, I'm pretty easy to live with, I think, or I, I, I don't like. <laughs> you might have a, I mean, there's so. But many... I'm not like uh, with Sean and I got along great. I know, like, like we live together we... just fine because I'm like pretty easygoing, and so is he. Um, where I think he probably pissed of like maybe you off more living with you, Shane. Well, you know, okay, we no, need to, we need to have an episode about yeah. this. We need a roommate episode, a full hour of us telling stories about this stuff. Yeah, we can bring okay. on the tapestry of roommates. That would be great. We, okay. get, we each guy could get his own little segment. Like we get like eight we, minutes. Are we really produce it? We that. should really produce it though, and like kind of do the interviews, and then have the, like really connect the stories a little bit, and then we could do like an eight part series. Ooh, I love it. I, yeah. I do think the audience would like that at all. Just like it's it's like three guys they kind of know from the pod, and then like twelve more that yeah. they have no if clues. Anything, like, all right, so there's peak. Like, who are all these fucking people? Um, I am of the mind if anything is produced well and you set up enough backstory yeah. so people care. They will care. You mm. can make it about any eight roommates. What do you think is the uh, if it's done right? The the, the conflict in, in in the narrative arc. Ooh. Well, maybe the the dog might uh, hypothetically eat some of your stuff, yeah. and then you'll <laughs> confront Sean about it and be like, "Hey, the fat, did, it, did that happen to you? Did it happen to everybody?" And, it, <laughs> and you would, you would be like, "Hey, the the dog ate my shoes. I just bought those." He'd be like, "All right, uh, what do you want me to do? Kill the dog? I'll do it. Yeah. Fine." <laughs> You know what? Sean is so easygoing, and he's uh, such a great people person. He's uh, Hamilton's finest realtor. Shout yes, out sir. to Sean Dawson. If you're looking to buy a house, uh, get in touch with Sean Dawson out of uh, Judy Marshall's Realty. But the one thing that he's sensitive about is anything to do with his dog. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Other, this is, I feel like this is a topic uh, fraught with peril. Yeah. Okay. We'll get this into is, this it. How on friendships another end, exclusive yeah, episode. True. No, it's yeah. good though. But um, the other thing I did today was I voted. Uh, advanced early polling. Vote. Advanced early vote. Vote. I voted. Yeah, and probably I th- before you even. Yeah, mm-hmm. guys, Mike, it's not a competition. All that matters is that you voted. The, yeah. I'm just saying, I normally don't vote. Now I'm in the game. Who'd you vote for, Shane? <laughs> the liberal ban. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call the liberal man? Man. Yeah, oh, okay, I know yeah. it was a guy. I don't know his name. Mm. <laughs> so my question for you guys, though, is: What are your thoughts on selfies in front of this polling station? Like, I voted. I've done it out, you know, let's people know. I've done it. And and the reason I did it today. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, there's you could look at it cynically and be like, okay, who cares? Like anything like who cares what you're eating? Why are you taking photos of that? I think that in this case, the selfie in front of the voting sign, if you are of the mind that like living in a a democracy and having free will and the right to vote is a good system that we all want to sort of uphold. I think it's a good thing to promote it. So it's like I don't I think the selfie for that is a good cause, especially if you have a lot of followers like you, Max, you know what I mean? Or you're somebody that is on social media. It's like if some person who normally wouldn't vote sees that and they're like, you know what? I want to participate. I think that's worthwhile. Other people can have differing opinions. They don't want to vote. They don't like the system, whatever. But I think it's a good thing. But voting doesn't really matter if you don't really know anything, does it? 
Like, well, shouldn't you just be informed, right? Yeah, this, so shouldn't people be, like, maybe in front of, like, a bunch of political books? Like, learn <laughs> about politics, then vote. But then mm. forgot to vote? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> did the studying? Well, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Do we want like, uninformed people like, voting? Like, I just voted what my wife told me to vote for. Mm. Yeah, but you married your wife, and you believe in... You probably have the same ideals and view of this world as she does. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've never talked about it. Yeah, we don't talk. We're playing video games and ordering pizzas, man. <laughs> She's my best roommate I ever had. Um, so what are your thoughts on self No, I like it. I actually get annoyed when people get cynical about that. Did I you think, get any of that? From, no, like, but I was texting Mandra Ash, and she said some like news reporter on TV was like criticizing people taking selfies in front of the polling. It's like, out of all the things to, to brag about, this is probably a pretty virtuous one, right? Yeah, what's the angle, though? What's the complaint? I don't know. I I don't, yeah, that. it's just, just people complain for the sake of complaining. But another thing that happened to me at the polling station, I shared this on social media, so you probably saw this already, if you follow our Kells, but it was really sweet. There was a guy in front of me who was dressed, he was like probably like 50, dressed up in sort of traditional uh, Islamic uh, attire, and uh, he was right in front of me, so same, uh, same neighborhood, and he uh, put the ballot in the box, and then the attendant said, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have a first-time voter, everybody. And then the whole room applauded. And, really? like, and like, you know, and he smiled and waved at everybody and left. <laughs> and it was awesome. What if that's embarrassing, though? No, no, no. I, I mean, I think... You, the assumption is he's new to the country. Yeah, he's new, a Canadian citizen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for me, I'd be very embarrassed. Because I'd be like, <laughs> I know, I'm almost 40. I should have done it. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm sorry. He's like, he's trying to fit in. He's wearing like a Hail the Tiger Cats t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, the reason why you bring this up yeah. is that it happened to you and you're just yeah. like very mad about it. Well, I'd be mortified it. if that happened to me. It would be a funny skit if that's the scenario, but then you actually contradict the person. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, no, they're... They're lying. It's like, no, no, I'm not, man. You told me that. And then you have to get out of the situation. Or if the guy's been in Canada for like 35 years and he's just really lazy. <laughs> yeah. But I think I fucked up because. <laughs> How can you fuck it up? It was so Because simple. I put a check mark instead of an X. Oh. And I think you have to put an X in there. Mm. But it doesn't say. They need to make it clear. Say, put an X on the box. I think it does. Yeah, they do, yeah. Mine didn't. Mm. I swear it didn't. I looked everywhere. I was in there for the longest time. Was this time. your first time voting? No, no, my second. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Not a veteran. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, voting is voting is good. But let's say you uh, had a like you influenced a bunch of people to vote. Let's mm. say because you're an Arkell, you're yeah. a celeb, but you influenced the wrong set of people. <laughs> mm. And then you, the guy you wanted to win, didn't win because of it. Would you? Would you still be? But happy I you did see. That? I don't think that I'd be uh, pushing people towards. Everybody falls our cows. I don't think I'd be. But a lot them. of people misinterpret people's champ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, you know, the story I, I shared about this new Canadian, like that, that kind of speaks to a certain mm-hmm. political party. But some people values. think it's a pro-Trump song. <laughs> I, don't <think> <laughs> <champ>. <laughs> I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> Somebody online's been spreading the rumor. <laughs> Named Shaney Boy sixty nine. Shaney Boy sixty nine on YouTube is yeah. just trolling the comments. Like, you think this is about Trump? I think it's about Trump. Is that a YouTube segue? Yay! All right, let's get the first subject. Speaking of YouTube, uh, as we, you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, uh, Max sets the topics as the producer, mm-hmm. um, and so in our pod group uh, that he set up for this thing. Thanksgiving special episode for you guys. Hopefully you'll get tomorrow. Yeah. We're sending Erica the files tonight. Erica, don't fuck this up. <laughs> Leave that in for the listeners. Um, Max sent this as our topics. So today we're going to start with YouTubers. This is exactly what Max sent to us in the group. Pod topics, YouTubers. 
I don't know anything about YouTubers, but watched this guy the other night with Lauren. It's a YouTube link to a user named... Cody Co. Cody Co. K.O. <laughs> K.O. And then Max goes, do you get it? What do you make of YouTube culture? Is it bigger than you realize? Are we dinosaurs? How will this type of production value inform the way media, news, comedy will be made in 2050? It's also, it's, it's also cheap and gimmicky, but it seems like this is what kids like. What happens when kids today end up in charge in a few years? I'm generally confused, but maybe it's an interesting convo. Max, are you 60 years old? That is a crazy message. No, but honestly, like, I really feel disconnected. It's like one of the, the, because I typically feel like a 17 year old, like all the time. I just, I just realized today, like I'm turning 33 in a month or two. And I'm like, you still want to live with roommates. I I just don't feel any different than being a, than being 17. I still feel like I'm 17. And so we're we're recording at your home and it's littered with candy. Yeah. I pulled out a bunch of candy for everybody. Yeah. I had pizza tonight for dinner. It was the best. (laughs) Like honestly, incredible. And, um, but the YouTube culture something I feel very disconnected with and I'll have conversations with our Kells fans occasionally and they'll, and they'll mention a YouTuber and I won't have any clue what they're talking about. And so there's a whole world out there that, you know, is related to pop culture and celebrity and music and personalities, like things that I typically would pay attention to that I, that is not on my radar whatsoever. Anyway, so I watched this thing last night cause Lauren has watched a bit of it. Is she a fan? She kind of likes them, and then and then the more I watch it, I was like, oh! I, at first, I found it all very jarring because there's a lot of quick cuts and like kind of cheap camera moves and stuff. When this guy Cody Co reviews other YouTube videos, but that is clearly the style. And I guess Lauren was telling me that she was kind of giving me like a little kind of one sheet of information on how YouTube culture works. And I guess they all just comment on each other's shit. So something happens, and then another uh, that a YouTuber does, and then other YouTubers make like reaction pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the following day. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who actually pays attention to YouTube is like, I sound like a fucking idiot, I'm sure. But we probably have a lot of listeners that find this informative. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I just didn't know what to make of it and whether it's like, because I typically like when things evolve. Like, I'm not opposed to like new kinds of music. I'm not like a guy who's like stuck in the past, who's like only believes in like, Neil Young made the best music in 1973 and music is shit now. Like, I'm not like that at all. But I just haven't really given much thought to how like media and entertainment has evolved when it comes to that space. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's so. I'm did, in the end, would you say this guy's a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I kind of liked him. He's probably yeah. close. This guy Cody Co is probably closer in age to me. Like he's probably in his yeah. late twenties, is my guess. And the video you attached, I thought was hilarious. Like, oh, so you liked it? Had you? I, I guess had you heard of it? No. But, we'll, we'll put a link. And in, I was very skeptical. Like YouTuber has like a certain stigma that feels a little bit younger and uh juvenile but i thought all of his comments were very funny he was making fun of a very cringy video yeah which mike knows i am obsessed with cringeworthy <laughs> videos yeah. and this guy was critiquing it better than i could have so set up the premise for the one link that i sent around so the video that i guess we'll post a link for this but the specific video max sent it's uh this cody co guy and another dude who i'm guessing is YouTuber. his pal who he tours with and stuff like this. his best friend apparently so they're watching a video i don't know if it was a short film or if it was a weird it was a youtube video of, of like a um 
like a vegan type girl, like yeah, a Insta very spiritual model. Venice Beach yeah. Insta model. Yeah, and so it was like it was very sincere video where she's like, "I met the love of my life at Whole Foods," and so it's like the sincere video that they put up. I, I don't really know what the origin of that video is, but let's say it's just this sincere expression of love, not a weird partnership with Whole Foods or whatever. They literally just watch it and rip it for sort of how. Um, clueless it is or, or, or lack of awareness it's just in, so pretentious of, and exactly yeah yeah and, and for them to sort of be unaware of how it would maybe be perceived but ultimately they're just kind of making fun of it in a way that's super digestible and like shane said very funny and by the way this this youtube video i think came out like two years ago or something like that mm-hmm. so this is like we're way behind, we're way behind yeah. on all of this um do you watch a lot of youtube videos of shane well, like uh, at work, I'll I'll flip on most. No, but you know the personalities, I guess. Like, who's the other guy uh, who got into trouble? I always see. Him oh, uh, Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. Yeah, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> He's uh, he does like he does like it's like it's like you know like in the past when you you knew like jackass or something they would like shoot themselves doing stunts or interesting things or interacting or like going into a public space and people don't expect something weird to happen. I think Logan Paul kind of embodied that space where him and his friends would either do stunts or sort of disrupt things and then that became very popular and he was just very uh funny like everything he said was pretty funny he was outrageous he would just go into his parents place and grab like plates and start smashing them his his big gimmick was smashing plates for like a year. <laughs> to me, in a lot of ways, though, and, and and this is kind of like uh, I feel like this stuff is all cyclical. It's just being delivered in a different medium. Like for instance, mm-hmm. like Tom Green used to fuck with his parents, and it was like it felt irreverent and weird and crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, before that, like stand up comedians would do weird, crazy shit that was breaking sort of like the the, the either the convention of what stand up was. Tom Green was doing sort of you said Tosh point oh also did a version. Shane mentioned yeah. Tosh point oh yeah. um um. Bam Majera, like who came out of Jackass, used to he had a show where he would fuck with his parents and he kind of had this house and they would just do sort of like things that would either mess with a target that was either a family member or someone in society and people just got into it. Like mm. I remember my buddy had all the DVDs of Bam show and it was honestly very similar to the stuff that um, Logan Paul did and Logan Paul got in trouble later because he went to like a sacred Japanese forest where people go to sort of. Uh, commit suicide and he filmed like a dead body swinging in the forest and then that's oh, I remember that's what got him like okay. cancelled I'm doing like the air quotes right now but anyway I, I I mean I guess if you're asking like what what is this and what are we sort of watching yeah what's the distinction is, is it people fi- like I, I don't think it's that new other than the watching people watching stuff which is just sort of a function of the All times alright I guess my question is is that I'm maybe old fashioned in this regard but I just find like the fact that these people can be so popular and be like filming it with one camera and I guess I know they're doing some like tricky editing afterward but there's very little sort of like uh, traditional television production and it's like is this going to replace Jimmy Fallon because I kind of like yeah. it kind of bums me out that like that style of like sort of pop culture commentary is going to be no longer where, where I guess but don't you want to see the best content possible Mm. Oh, so you're saying that this allows anybody to Well, Barrier of Entry fucks so many people up who mm. want to make it, but they'll never get that lucky break. Yeah. And that's like, you don't need to wait. Or do you have it or don't you? Yeah. And th- these are basically just stand-up routines mm-hmm. or like improv exactly. routines. He's saying it's it's mm-hmm. YouTube has made it more of a true meritocracy. Yeah. Meaning if you're good, people will find you. And if you're not, they won't. As opposed to in the past, like Shane said, there's a barrier of entry. Like you'll get on Mad TV because this, this, and this, and this, but maybe you're not that good. Now, if there's someone actually better than you, you don't need a vehicle like The Tonight Show or Mad TV or SNL. And I guess the big studios will find these YouTubers anyway. Well, that's what they're doing oh, now. Well, if Lily an, audi- if an audience finds them, that's the like a built-in Nielsen rating. Yeah. Yep. 
people and don't have to be like, accurate. is this, will this person make it? Cause they've already made it in a sense. Yeah. What do you make of the aesthetic of like the whole, like just like talking to the camera? That's another thing that kind of like feels a bit jarring to me. Oh, well, two things. I think it's a lot harder to that, that kind of cutting. Where we're talking about that guy's specific videos. That takes a really long fucking time. Like I'm sure Shaney, when you were watching it, you're going, he does, he, oh fuck, he fucks around with his buddy probably for an hour watching this video, cutting it up, like uh, sort of making jokes, roasting it. And then I bet you he has to go away for half a day, 12 hours, 14 hours to actually make the cuts. All like the that. beats, all the music edits, all the sound effects, all the echoes, like it's crazy. All the, the pan and scan shit that looks very crappy. Very entrepreneurial in that sense. Like they, they, like these are one man shows a lot of the time, right? And, yeah. and and just those are two really hard things. It's like you got to be engaging on camera. You actually have to be good. Like Shane said, it's like a sort of a, a stand-up routine. It's like a roast thing, right? It's like Jeff Ross at a roast. But if anything, it's kind of it's a little bit more hard because you're doing it off the cuff. Obviously, they're saved a lot because they edit out all of the shitty stuff. So they probably make a bunch of jokes that don't really land. And then you have to go in there and you probably have to spend a whole day editing. Did you see the, any of those videos, Greg? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Like as an editor, are you like, that would have taken forever to cut? Yeah, it's hard. And it's hard too because he has to choose what's the funniest jokes. He, like, I'm sure it's hard to like, when he cuts it down, he, there's probably, it's probably 12 minutes. Like, oh, it has to be seven minutes. And he knows the stats exactly how long it will be or how long people are going to be watching for. That's also crazy about YouTube is you can watch, you can see where people stop watching it. Like it could have 10 million views, but people stop watching it after 30 seconds, you know? So all that, all those stats and everything there. Yeah, you, talking to the mic. Oh, hello. Sorry. Yeah, YouTubers are just like really good podcasters, I find. Like we'll kind of just have this conversation and there'll be a little bit of editing, but they'll make sure like there's there's this um podcast called For Y'all Entertainment. It's under Much Studios. And they must spend like eight to ten hours editing each episode. There's so many effects. Every line is uh there's something to it. There's some some little add-on effect or joke attached or cutaway or edit or it's just insane. It's like exhausting just thinking about all they do. Yeah, and I mean, for these people, these are their full-time jobs. You know, there's like, it, it is an interesting thing. Like, you know, there's a reason, like, say, Conan's podcast or our podcast or Dax's podcast. It's a different um, entertainment format, I think. I think, like, a conversational thing that, like Shane said, minimal editing, a couple ums here, maybe, like, a, something that doesn't work somewhere else. What they're doing, what this guy's doing, I think, is way more immersive and it actually has to be your full-time gig because it's it's its own creative art form. You know what I mean? It is like writing a song or something that's not just a, a throwaway. This stuff is really, we'd be doing this at a bar. You can't do, I mean, what he's doing is probably started out with him and his buddies just making fun of shit on thing yeah. and making their friends laugh. And they're like, how do we do this? And then everybody sort of like watches everybody else and they all pick up each other's tricks and then they get better the same way you do it with songwriting. Mm-hmm. So, so if the question is like, is it a valid sort of like entertainment or like, like a sort of comedy platform. I think the answer is absolutely, you know? Um, yeah, it is like, it's just, it's just different. Um, well, what do you think of, what do you make of the new style? Of, like these like, really quick cuts when it comes to like keeping the user's attention. Cause I guess that's like yeah. the nature of the game. Cause you don't want anybody to click Tim away. and Eric kind of popularized mm. that style of editing and yeah. that pan and scan and, Oh, yeah, yeah. The That's weird right. echo effects and just punching into weird things. They find and, three jokes yeah. where there wasn't with those those things, like you're saying, mm-hmm. like a pan and scan or like a zooming in on somebody's look or a callback to a funny line. Mm. You're literally pulling jokes that are not there in the open read, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like maximizing your laughs. Do you guys know anything about TikTok? Nothing. Nothing. See, I have um, an 11-year-old niece, and, she, and they're all about TikTok. Which is like basically... I've heard. It's the new thing. Yeah, it's the new thing. And it's basically like a video um, app which allows you to do like weird cuts in a Tim and Eric almost kind of way. It's it's very seamless, right? Like if you want to like take your shirt off 
it f- makes the edit very seamless. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you could be standing in the same place with three different outfits and it does it. But like the instincts of the app do it in a very cool, Tim and Eric-y kind of mm-hmm. internet-y kind of way. Vine was kind of in this uh, world yeah. for a bit. They used to do yeah. like where you could make a cut that felt seamless and yeah. you could mine comedy out of that. Um, and, there's, and there's a music integration too with TikTok too, right. which makes it all very seamless as well. Interesting. But, yeah. That's another one that I feel kind of like a little removed from. Do you guys, did you know TikTok at all, Greg? I don't know what TikTok is though. It's, it's so funny. Like every 12 year old, like that's, that's the way they communicate. That's the way they like express themselves. And then I think they upload them to Instagram. I think. <laughs> Here's a question. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting is every generation at some point sort of like ages out of whatever is new um, in sort of pop culture. Do you think like, so like you asked a question about, you know, what's it going to look like in the year 2050 um, my question is like, so if you're like a, a, a 15 year old now and like TikTok is your world and then there'll be a new app by the time you go to college. Right. And then are you as engaged in that or is that more of like a high school thing or does it extend into the college thing? And then are there going to be 28 year olds in 10 years from now that are like still engaged in whatever the new technology is? Or will they just stop engaging? Like, it's, or they have their thing. They, they're a TikTok generation, and they just kind of like to stick to that. That's my. I don't yeah. know. Like, because because we're kind of like apps and stuff are relatively like like the prevalence of apps are kind of new in the sense that it's like been a decade of it, right? But it's like like it's like oh like uh, this. I'm not interested in finding the new technology now. Is that a function of like huh, what you have going on in your life, your age, where you're at, all of mm-hmm. that stuff? Um, and that will happen eventually to the kids that are 18 now. Or are they of a generation where it's like, of course, I'm going to stay up with all the apps until I'm ancient, until I'm 60, let's say. Well, I don't think you're going to stick up with anything that you were into when you were 12, when you're 22. Right. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Do you think 22-year-olds are using TikTok, though? No. Like, Gary Vee talks about TikTok all all the time. uh, He's like the new motivational guru but he's he's trying to get people like older to get into it but he's just like oh this is an app for mm. what it's like 10 to 16 it's like very hot but for no one else it is but it's, it's essentially just a, an app for people to make funny little music videos mm-hmm. right like and yeah. you're not going to be into that when you're in your 20s yeah but you're, what you're saying is like because Kids are just growing up knowing how to use apps and use use technology. Like they'll be able to stay up to date forever. Yeah, it's not kids like, are used like to moving faster. Our with the parents time. ever yeah. now, or yeah. they, they're trying to figure out how to use apps. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there'll be something new and better mm-hmm. when they're forty. But it just but, you'll, but you'll always be able to stay up to date. You're, it's not like a foreign like technology. You're always going to be able to get the hottest app and know how to use it just because you've been doing it since you're five. But you were also saying like older people will just stick to the one app. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I, I guess maybe apps and entertainment are kind of like how music is for some people. Meaning, it's like you'll always love the band that was popular when you were twenty, mm-hmm. and and there's always a small group of people that still try to find hit music, and they're like, "No, I'm a music fan. I'm going to keep searching new music." And most people just are like, "Oh yeah, I know it. I've heard that Billie Eilish girl on the radio," <laughs> yeah. but they're not actively searching for her. Yeah, I the one thing I'd add though that I think is separates this generation versus ours versus our parents is that they are used to things changing a lot faster. It's yeah. like our parents' generation, nothing really changed at that much. Well, I guess it did, but then we had to kind of adapt with the times and you know jump from desktops to laptops to smartphones. But now these kids, it's like things just move faster. Like They're used to like you know 10,000 new songs coming out every day and a new fad that comes and goes really quickly. 
Whereas I think the culture moved a little slower back then. So I think they'll be used to jumping around a little bit more. I've heard, I think it was Chuck Klosterman, I heard him on a podcast and he was talking about the idea that for our parents, like their experience, you know, on this earth in North America was relatively unchanged from their parents other than maybe some fashion, a little bit of change uh, in social sort of progression and things like that. But essentially it's still like, there might be something on TV. You can read a book as your entertainment. Like the experience was relatively similar. Mm-hmm. Whereas our experience from our parents has actually been vastly different because yeah. the advent of like computers becoming like a major sort of tool for uh, international sort of change and the flow of information. And then now apps and sort of technology, which again is only really sort of taken off, taken off like the idea of an app store and like whatever, what, like 2010 or something like, what are we a decade in? Maybe it was 26, 2006, yeah. something like that. But like, I still remember the iPod commercial and like whatever it was, 2000 and like mm. four or three with, with, you know, the silhouettes and shit like that. And that seemed like, Whoa, but, it's like now, like you said, everybody moves so quick. Like, what's the world going to look like to those kids' kids? I don't know. Like, it's going to be different. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying it's like we've, we're inhabiting two different worlds mm-hmm. where for generations and generations, lots of parents, the world was essentially similar. It was just slight things changed. Uh, okay, here's a, here's a question. I know art is very uh, subjective, so there's probably no answer to it. But, like, do you think we're going to, like, go into, like, the dark ages of... Uh, or not the dark ages, but when it comes to like film or music, is will technology take it so far that it becomes like a, like kind of worse in the eyes of like historians? Where it's like it's like we I just remember listening because when Lauren was at Laurier between two thousand eleven to two thousand fourteen, like that like really aggressive like EDM music set. I was like, this is the end of music. Like historians <laughs> are gonna look back on this shit because it's unlistenable. And, of course, with the passage of time, I probably look on that, I think about that music a little more sympathetically. But it's like, are film historians in the year 3000 going to go, oh, things got out of hand with because TikTok came around and totally fucked up. The, and, like, the, the pieces of art that were being created were actually objectively a step backwards because the technology was so fucking abrasive and everybody had access to it that it wasn't good anymore. That's do you I think, don't know. Like, well, no, I can't. Look, okay, here's a question. People, oh, they've been talking about this now for two decades, but like how it, it, modern attention spans are gone. We mm-hmm. can't go. I th- there's somebody like clocked the average time between you look between intervals of looking at your phone and how like we need to constantly be stimulated and how to retain our attention now has become va- vastly difficult. Films still clock in at about an hour and 20. Some films are super long. Do you think that that movies will be altered by the way that we consume entertainment now? Like, will, will asking someone to watch a film for an hour and 20 minutes become too much of an ask for, like, modern tastes or tastes in the future? It, it already is. Like, people watch Netflix all the time, and they'll watch a movie over the course of, like, a night or two. Like, over the course of, like, two nights, they'll watch 20 minutes here, or like, a half hour there, and then, you know, they're not sitting down and watching a full movie. I don't know. It's, it's already In some of, movies, you, you have on in the background. It's just, like, one of your screens. Yeah. So you're watching it very casually. You're almost listening to it while you're scrolling Instagram. There's some movies I know. That's what I'm doing to this movie. This is a movie I actually give a shit about. Here's a 50 percenter where I'll give it a chance, but I will absolutely keep it on if it goes bad, but I'll just pay more attention to my phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing that right now. Speaking of screen time, uh, this week, actually, we were on tour. I gave myself a little experiment. I gave myself a timer, a limit on my various on my apps when it comes to Twitter and Instagram, 15 minutes a day. And by like 9 a.m., they logged me out. The, well, the, what app is this? It, it comes with the new operating system. Hmm. So basically, you can like, you know what I'm talking about? 
I don't know. Well, yeah, you have so, the new. Did you have the new iPhone? Yeah. Well, no. The, anybody can get the new iPhone. You can like update your you update system. your thing. Mm. So basically, it's like it Which monitors like your screen yeah. time. So it shows you exactly how much you're using it. But also, you can set depending on the app. It's like log me out immediately after 15 minutes after. Can you log before. back in if you? Yeah, want? you can. It, but but the the app is sort of like blurred out a little bit. So it's like it lets you know that you run out of time. Right. And you, then you can if you click on it, it goes. Do you are you sure you want to be back in? And then you go yes. And then for fifteen minutes or an hour, and then you can or or, or forget it for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's actually been a helpful thing for me. Like it's actually I think decreased my time perusing Instagram and Twitter like significantly. So what do you do when you're not doing that? Um, good question. Uh, I don't know. Because what if it turns out like if some research comes out and it's like better to keep your mind stimulated than it is just to sit there bored out of your mind. Oh no! I mean, I definitely keep busy. I actually, you know what? I think I feel like I wrote a couple of good songs this week, and mm-hmm. I was like productivity is up. I, yeah, pro- productivity yeah. is up. It's like uh, I finished the Malcolm Gladwell book that I was reading. Not to bring up Gladwell again. <laughs> Do you like him or no? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, I want I want you guys to to try that if you want. Like uh, the limit limit the screen time. See what happens. We should you know hold a little experiment here. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, it's fascinating. W- would you unblur it more often than not, or would you adhere to the fifteen minute? You know what it was. If I had to be on like Instagram to like post something from the band or Twitter or something like that, then I'd do it. But but the second I just did it instinctively, re- re- reflexively, just because I had my phone out and it said no, and then I went, oh yeah, I don't need to do it. So it was actually really good. Hmm. It was cool. It, it like it really kept me. And then the payoff was way better because when I f- when I finally did check it. Uh, the next day or when I had to go on it and I wanted to see what people were up to, it, the hit was that much more satisfying because there was actually a lot to see as opposed to like mindlessly scrolling and going, oh, I've seen all this shit already. Yeah. So it's cool. Hmm. Hey, man. It's anything we can do to uh, sort of up our level of discipline and sort of self-control. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that there's now an app for that. Yeah, it's true. It's an app for everything, man. Uh, so YouTubers, guys, should we learn more? Should we continue our quest into, uh, you know, discovering that culture if you find it entertaining and it's your thing go for it yeah it was actually kind of into cody cody co kind of remind me of like you guys i yeah oh, i just thought he was like the best possible version of like what i would want to be mm. when i was watching him i was just like oh this guy's way 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 funnier than me even in my wildest dreams like all of his comments oh, oh yeah he I, actually had funny jokes and stuff too, yeah like, he wasn't just they were just reacting and being loud to certain things they're like oh she's an idiot like they're like his celery thing I thought was really funny when he was just making jokes about her sitting in the court. Like he's like, oh. he's like, you're always in the corner chewing on that little celery. Like, <laughs> like, like funny. Well, and it gets so good on the back half too. That's when you cut it off. But I was, I wasn't sure if uh, Greg and Mike had, had watched it yet. So, but I was hoping you would have kept that one. Cause I really, I really thought that link you sent was awesome. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I was imagining it too, as a live show. Cause you know, when you have a captive audience, I could just imagine all those jokes like bang, bang, bang. And you say they tour, which makes yeah. sense, like which is stuff. why they're so sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think YouTubing like anything. I think there's a million people doing it, and the best ones will sort of. It's it's a true meritocracy, like Shane says. Like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the people aren't wrong. If you see a video that has a, over a million views, there's a reason for it. So, yeah, I, I think searching out all the greatest YouTubers will help you sharpen your craft in whatever field it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's like. I think they make it look like it's two people just fucking around in front of a camera, or, and I think it's a lot harder 
uh, to sort of find the combination of someone who's willing to edit that shit for a full day and then also mm-hmm. the talent to perform that shit. I just think it's a, I think it's a lot harder than, you know, we had this big talk about DJ culture. Mm. and and I the, stand by my DJ culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a, you painted it with a very simplistic brush in yeah. the sense that it's like, I don't think the best YouTubers can be painted with a simplistic brush, although yeah, it looks example. easy. Do you yeah. think, like, in saying that video, do you think they're just sitting there and like, all right, this is the video we're watching and we're, and we're just going to react? Or do you think they... They watch ahead of time and they write out jokes or like because it's, it's so like riffy and like it feels so natural. Like I feel like they couldn't write it out, but I don't know. They're, they're obviously quick and funny guys, so yeah, I just question. wonder. I think it's kind of like how we do uh, the pedestal. We watch the movie, we kind of write notes, we have little bits or jokes or thoughts that we think may or may not be funny, and we just throw it against the wall and whatever works, we we keep. And if we go off on a weird tangent, we're just like cut that part out. Yeah. It was actually cool when we were in L.A. Um, a couple weeks ago, jo- there's a food blogger named Josh Elkin. I highly recommend you follow him. He, like the shit that he posts looks incredible. It's like a lot of like taco related posts about various ways to cook up tacos. And he talked about the way he, because he does basically these like cooking tutorials. And uh, he was talking about like how you get the the crunch of the knife going through the onion and, and just the angles and all the lighting. And he obviously invents the recipes. He stars in these things and he edits them all himself. And he has like, I think 600,000 Instagram followers or something. Yeah. And like, and then he gets a lot of like brand partnership deals with like Taco Bell and Samuel Adams beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but him describing his process for like what looks to be like a simple, like homemade video of like him selfieing, you know, cooking in the kitchen is actually a quite an extensive process. And even the final product of the, of the food is like, that is like a highly decorated piece as well. Uh, of, uh, of like a, a food on a piece of plate. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, YouTubers, man, keep YouTubers. going. You're doing okay. Hey, man, people don't lie. It's true meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Next topic is Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about Elizabeth Warren because she is running for president of the United States of America. You know who that is, Greg? I was just going to ask who's Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a rundown, Maxie. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she is a very progressive senator from Massachusetts. Um, she people she's a university professor at Harvard people like her because she I think is probably the smartest of the batch when it comes to the the Democratic hopefuls and she's got a lot of energy she's like looks like she could be her grandmother she's like in her probably late 60s but she's out there taking selfies with everybody and has a lot of like really good ideas and sort of has like an undeniable like get out of my way quality um, she's also gone up against Trump. She, she had a little misstep where she talked about her uh, indigenous ant- ancestry, and then she took the, the test, and uh, she's only like one ninety sixth indigenous. And then Trump started calling her Pocahontas. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's Warren. If you are unfamiliar, so go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So she's uh, she's out there on the campaign trail, working hard up there with I think the other front runners, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, and all that stuff. Very likable person. They actually just spoofed her on SNL a week ago. Uh, they got Kate McKinnon doing her now, and it was actually a really fucking funny bit. I thought yeah, Kate McKinnon's kind of perfect for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the reason Elizabeth Warren is in the news beyond just that is uh, there's been this controversy with Facebook because people obviously t- or people talk a lot about uh, Facebook's reach and the power that it truly has because we know a lot of older people are on Facebook. Uh, we've all been on Facebook where we see like a million ads, whether it's like negative, like, you know, Pizzagate with Hillary Clinton. She's part of a, a pedophile ring at this pizza shop, you know, and it's like there'll be an article about that. You can click on it and depending on whose feed is it is on. Is that a real ad? Yeah, well, it, like, so basically there's, like, they would post ads 
during the election like three years ago. Or promoted articles. Or promoted articles. Articles, I'm doing air quotes, that look like they're from like a newspaper, but it'd be like some online web thing that it's would like be called- The Washington like, Examiner, which, like, which like, kind of sounds like the Washington Post, but it's actually just like a bullshit right-wing tablet. Right. Yeah. And so if you're someone that leans right and you're like 59 and you're kind of angry, you click on that and you go, can you believe this shit that they're covering this up? And it's like, well, that wasn't actually news. That was an ad. So the, so but then, you can say Hillary's head of a pedophile ring in a fake ad? This is what Pizzagate is all about. Hmm. And, and, and enough people out there absolutely believe that there is a conspiracy at the top of like uh, the sort of most elite, basically the Jeffrey Epstein thing long before the Jeffrey Epstein thing, but like about Hillary and her cronies. That basically wow. there's a pedophile ring, pedophile ring being uh, operated out of a pizza place in D.C. and a guy brought in a gun there to like shoot up the place. After and, reading this. After reading it. It was a totally fake article. Jeez. So so basically this got to like a, a larger question, which is how much power does Facebook have? And then the question is, what responsibility does Facebook have uh, when it comes to accepting money either from maybe uh, surrogates for Russia who want to buy articles that are very pro-Trump? A lot of people felt like they won the war of misinformation on Facebook, uh, the, the right, because they posted a million sort of fake news, ironically. Um so then the question was, what does, what's Facebook's responsibility? Will they just take anybody's money? And Facebook's kind of like been like, eh, we're not a political organization. Like, we don't take a stand. And then it's like, are we going to vet our stuff? Yeah, we're going to. Zuckerberg's been very kind of like wishy-washy on the whole thing and definitely not wanting to uh, be held culpable for it. He, he's very like, well, you know, it is what it is. So anyway, Elizabeth Warren, as part of her campaign, uh, decided to buy an ad on Facebook. So this is what she tweeted out. She said, Facebook changed their ads policy to allow politicians to run ads with known lies, explicitly turning the platform into a disinformation for profit machine. Because the previous week, Trump had put a, like a, uh, an ad that five, that reached 5 million people that talked about some like outrageous lies about Biden and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Well, it's hard to top pizza pedophile. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just the alliteration alone. What a headline. Um, like I said, so she said, explicitly turning the platform into a disinformation for profit machine. This week, we decided to see just how far it goes. We intentionally made a Facebook ad with false claims and submitted it to Facebook's ad platform to see if it'd be approved. It got approved quickly, and the ad is now running on Facebook. Take a look. So this is an ad posted by Elizabeth Warren, and it says, Breaking news, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook just endorsed Donald Trump for re-election. You're probably shocked, and you might be thinking, how could this possibly be true? Well, it's not. Sorry. But what Zuckerberg has done is given Donald Trump free reign to lie on this platform and then to pay Facebook gobs of money to push out their lies to American voters. If Trump tries to lie in a TV ad, most networks will refuse to air it. But Facebook just cashes Trump's checks. Facebook already helped elect Donald Trump once. Now they're deliberately allowing a candidate to intentionally lie to the American people. It's time to hold Mark Zuckerberg accountable. Add your name if you agree. What a good gotcha, eh? Well, and the picture is like Zuckerberg and Donald Trump like shaking hands with each other. So it's really kind of throwing it back in Facebook's face to just show how irresponsible they're being. I still think pizza pedophile is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, it is. But like what, what made me interested in uh, Warren in this case is that um, I feel like no one has a good comeback to Trump. Because Trump is so over the top and outrageous, and I feel like all these politicians just like don't know how to play his game, and don't know how to like snap back at him in a way that doesn't seem lame. Because I feel like yeah. whenever anybody tries to go head to head with Trump, they always look foolish. Remember when like Hillary was like at the debates and like trying to make one liners at Trump? Yeah, it never great. came off great. And I and I that's my worry with all all the Democrats who I really like. 
just them on a debate stage or them on Twitter going at it with Trump. It's never going to end well. It's never going to go in their favor. And so this was, I think, the most effective thing I've seen a politician do in relation to clapping back. At I at don't what, feel like she came up with it, though. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not saying that they have to personally come up with that. Yeah. I'm saying like... Whoever, it does whoever, help, whoever, though, if you can. Yeah, like, sure. In the a, moment, it, it'd be awesome if these people had, like, you know, Chris Rock's, like, comedic timing. Or that's what like you that. need. I was just going to suggest that. And you know who combat. has that? Trump. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good at that. And that's he, why none of them want to fuck with him in that way, because it's like he's he's pretty quick and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So uh, I just thought, like, there needs to be more of this kind of thing where it's like, okay, like, we... Obviously, I think there's a certain amount of like, you know, we go high. Let's ignore the crazy guy in the corner talking and let's just like talk about what we're going to do if we get elected and how we're going to help people out. But there needs to be another thing to like get people to sort of like snap out of it and realize just sort of how corrupt Trump is, but also how Facebook needs you to You need be like an abrasive we go high person like shut up and then <laughs> get into like some real facts. Yeah. yeah. And like you got to make Trump pee his pants a little bit. Mm. Like I think like Chris... Leo or whatever his name is yeah. would be very good at that. Uh, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if uh, these politicians could start hiring some uh, stand-ups. Do you guys think, like I think that this ad, this sort of stunt slash ad by Elizabeth Warren is like, I think it, will, it plays very well with a certain section of people. It's too clever almost though. Well, this is what I was going to say. Like, who are you convincing with this? Like the people that are going to, like I guess the question is, do you think there's enough people left to be swayed whether or not, the like Trump's shown all his cards. You know what he is. No, Nobody's I, confused about I him know, anymore. I know, but I do think that there is a certain amount of people that still believe that like Facebook generally is is mm-hmm. offering like true information. But that's a lot of info and you, your brain has to do too much. Just mm. say Trump's diddling minors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but you don't think that... But I, I think like the, here's the thing. It's like a four year old wearing like a mining cap. Yeah, with like the light. Too many layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. I think liberals have been complaining about Facebook being irresponsible for like sure. for four years. But I don't think it was articulated as clearly as it was in that very example that mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren demonstrated. Because everybody, because because all the Republicans guys like you are getting off to it. No, I know. But but here's the thing. Uh, uh, every um, since Trump was election, elected, uh, every Republican who voted for him is just hearing, okay, shut up about Facebook. I like my Facebook. Uh, some of the Russian bots and Facebook, whatever. I, you're calling me stupid. But this is, I just think this is like a very obvious example that anybody, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, can go, oh, okay, this was... Because even Pizzagate, I think, was kind of complicated. It was like, and, it was, and it was a bit niche. But this yeah. is like super, super obvious that... Is like Elizabeth Warren bought an ad that was clearly untrue, and she spelled it out in pretty simple terms. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm very fascinated to see. like whenever like people keep talking about like you just did it the way to defeat Trump, the way these like Democrats got like. Are there still people left to be inspired or swayed? Like I feel like people know what they're gonna do or they're not. Mm. Like like I just don't know what else Trump can do at this point where people will be like. Ha, there's the magic anecdote. His approval rating is, rating is crazy high amongst Republicans. This is like what I'm 92% saying. Like it's not, it's not like, well, there's the, there's the uh, Rosetta Stone. There's the thing that literally unlocked uh, my ability to see what he's truly like. I think everybody knows and either they're like, I don't care. This is the country I want to live in. I'm voting for Trump. Or they're like, yeah, I'm fucking voting against that guy the first chance I get. Like, is there anyone left? Maybe there is. Maybe there's older people that are on Facebook that, that, that are still left to be, to be sort of found, like unmined voters. Mm-hmm. I just it just feels crazy to me that at this point after three years there's still people out there that don't 
understand exactly what Trump is and what he stands for. Well, because yeah. it's pretty neck and neck because the country's kind of like divided in the middle. I think there's two ways the Democrats win. One is like uh, getting more uh, turn up from their base. And that that means like a very inspiring person. And I don't know who that is, but like Obama did. Obama got a lot of people to vote because he was like a lot of people who would vote uh, liberal, but maybe are a little too lazy and don't always vote got out for Obama. And then Obama also did a good job of not alienating like suburban, like middle-class, like mom, like white moms basically. And, and because he didn't turn them off in any way. And I think a lot of the democratic hopefuls turn off people that might be able to be swayed to go in their direction because they seem to like a uh, nattering, but, or, or annoying basically, or condescending. Hmm. So you're saying there is still meat there to, I, I to think be there's swayed. A little, I think there's a little bit. Yeah. And that is the difference in the election. There you go. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, anyway, more more kind of like stunty things I think could be cool if it's pulled off in the way, in the right way. You're a fan of the of the execution. I think it was great. I, I thought it was clever too. Have you guys ever but thought that, of- That's the problem with it I find is the only people who are really going to be like, oh, that was so clever are the people like you guys. Yep. It's not, like you really got to do one of those blunt, funny headlines to just get them. Not being like these three layers, like, you see what I did there? <laughs> it's like, it's only you guys patting everyone on the back. Mm. What, uh, do you ever think about being a political strategist, Shane? No, but I think it'd be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> we have a guy who knows nothing. Hire him. <laughs> I, heard, I heard he just voted for the second time this year. <laughs> He's 35 years old. <laughs> Who did he vote for? He doesn't know. <laughs> he said he said the ballot was confusing. <laughs> he does what his wife wants him to do. Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a check mark instead of an X. It might not even count. He beat the system. <laughs> no, but I do think I would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think I think you know what? Here, you know what? To your point, Shane. Cuz I think that there's so many like old guard like democratic like institution like people involved in these campaigns that are so just like traditionally about the politics and like but the old rules don't really exist anymore when you're up against a guy like trump Mm -hmm. so maybe we need some outside the box thinkers yeah right because he's an outside the box president yeah that's right candidate yeah yeah like i'm running a maternity blog there you go. Yeah. But it's got an edge to it that the other material blogs don't have. Because Alex is like, ah, there's a few things we can't talk about. I was like, like what? She's like, well, vaccinations is a big no-no. Don't talk about it. I was like, no. We're going to talk about that large. Mm. And then we just went into it, and it got like 785 comments. Whoa. Yeah. It was nuts. Were, were, was there a, were a lot of them negative? Tons. Right. But it, it got it buzzing so much. We were on like all the Explore pages and... Re, like it was like regrammed a whole shit ton and tagged on all these mom blogs in a villainous way or in a, a cool both it's just all news is good news <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that so if you were a political strategist that would be your your mo well i'd be like let's fight fire with fire and then mm. someone like you uh, you or mike type people would be like don't you think this is clever how we're feeding it to the man? And then you I'd just be like, go- no, just say Zuckerberg homo question <laughs> mark. <laughs> <laughs> and all the Trump guys would like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I mean, that gets to the heart of what I was asking Max, like mm-hmm. wondering what's left mm-hmm. in the middle. Like, I, it just feels like we're all sort of talking to each other about these things. And it's just like, I don't know what works anymore. I mean, yeah. we like Drake says, we going to see. Mm. He says that? Well, he does that, uh, I think that back-to-back song. Oh, yeah. 
Trey pull up on me. And Mike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We go to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a super fan, by the way. Mm. It's the only song I know. That's a good one. Yeah. Shane, I would love. That's a good SNL skit. Shane, just like <laughs> running, running the war Headlines room. Headlines, liberals. Yeah, no, no, no. You're running the war room. Yeah, like for you know, for Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren or something like that. If you were Joe Biden's political strategist and you had to go up against Trump, what would you advise yeah, would him you to do? do in the first debate, head to head? First, I would say, who is Joe Biden? <laughs> Vice President of the United States for eight years. Oh, <laughs> oh, Joe Biden. oh that, Trump calls him crazy Joe, old Joe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah did yeah, you actually. see what um, Trump did at a rally last week? He said he's like, and Joe Biden, he's got all these like kids behind him, like <laughs> like teenagers wearing like Make America Great hats. And he's like, Joe Biden, that guy, he's an idiot. The only thing he was good at when he was the vice president was kissing Obama's ass. <laughs> I'm not like that's exactly what he said. And I was like, did he just say that? Like kissing Obama's ass? Like this guy's the president of the United States. Like, uh, it never fails to amaze me. Yeah. But do you think a liberal candidate that talked like Trump, like Shane's saying, like let's say Biden got up and he said this <laughs> like, hey guys, I hear it's gonna be a full moon tonight, and then turn around and pull his pants. No, down. he's gotta hit Trump. What could he say about Trump that would that would resonate? No, no. So if someone was like, what would you say to Trump right now? And then Biden goes, well, I'd tell him it's going to be a full moon tonight. And then turn around and pull his pants down. <laughs> like, that so would be pretty funny. Like he's mooning Trump. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that too highbrow? <laughs> too what do you mean? Speaking conceptually. <laughs> well, I guess what I was going to say is it's like Trump gets up and he boils it down perfectly. He goes, he, he takes like a somewhat truth where it's like Biden does speak longly about uh Obama all the time and he says he spent eight years the only thing he was good at was kissing Obama's ass he's a little mm. bit of prof- like profanity it's direct it's tight what could Biden say about Trump that would resonate if he was speaking colloquially mm-hmm. or was like you know well I'd be like well I heard Melania also likes kissing ass and then I'd pull my pants down <laughs> and have lipstick on my butt <laughs> <laughs> so the insinuation that Melania is kissing, kissing his Biden's ass? ass. Kissing Biden's yeah. ass. <laughs> See? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we have to double check. Let me get this straight. <laughs> That's, Melania is the one kissing his butt. <laughs> you know, it would be really amazing if, uh, there, if there's... <laughs> To Am I to believe? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just cuts to Trump's war room and he goes, This guy's good. Hire him. Now. We are finally in trouble. <laughs> we are in big, big trouble. I can see. How did he get my wife to kiss his ass? <laughs> it, it would be a really um, crazy thing if there was like two Trumps like but like one was Democrat <laughs> one was Republican yeah. yeah can you imagine like what those things would look like if everybody acted like Trump would like it only kind of works because tr- everyone is just so shocked whenever Trump does anything that it's just like okay well he's he's clearly the crazy one but if there was two if that, if that happened like if they were twins like if it was like yeah. a debate stage and like Biden just kind of like mimicked whatever Trump did. That would be insane. The world would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like the rest of the world would be watching these debates and Biden's pulling out his pants. <laughs> with, with lipstick kiss marks on his butt. <laughs> oh, man. 